This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates and this is The Full Story. As we enter the third year of the pandemic in Australia, another virus is now spreading across the country. It's a wake-up call for the country. Japanese encephalitis detected in four states. Good evening and welcome to the latest on the Japanese encephalitis outbreak in Australia that has the health authorities here on some alert. It's called Japanese encephalitis virus and it's been declared a virus of national significance. While this has been present in parts of Australia's far north since the 1990s, until recently, it had never been detected further south. So far, the current outbreak has spread across four Australian states, infected a four-month-old baby, and claimed at least three lives. So, what do we know about this disease and the risk that it poses? And what does this outbreak tell us about the future of disease and disease control in Australia? Today, Japanese encephalitis and the future of disease in Australia. It's Tuesday, the 22nd of March. So Mel, what is the Japanese encephalitis virus? So Japanese encephalitis is a very rare but potentially serious infection of the brain. Melissa Davey is Guardian Australia's medical editor. And it's caused by the Japanese encephalitis virus. So it's not a new virus um, to the world, but it's not common in Australia at all. Mm. And Japanese encephalitis is primarily a rural and agricultural disease, um, more endemic in parts of Asia. So there's a whole variety of viruses and bacteria that can cause this severe brain infection that we call encephalitis. But in Asia, it's the Japanese encephalitis virus that is most likely to be behind a diagnosis. So prior to this current outbreak we're seeing, Japanese encephalitis virus, or JEV as it's also commonly called, was first detected in humans in Australia in 1995 when there was an outbreak in the Torres Strait. It was then detected on the mainland in Cairns in 1998 and all subsequent reports of the disease have been detected in far north Queensland when it comes to mainland Australia until now. Before we go into that and this current outbreak, I wonder if you can break down exactly how JEV spreads. It spreads through mosquito bites and it infects mostly pigs, water birds, horses, and then sometimes humans as well. Hmm. So some animals are carrying the virus, but when a mosquito bites them, it doesn't infect the mosquito because there's just not enough of the virus in that animal's blood for the mosquito to become a carrier that can infect other animals. So for example, horses and donkeys also get the virus but they don't really lead to spread of the virus. They can get very sick from the virus and they can die, um, but they usually don't show serious or severe symptoms. But a pig can infect a mosquito, as can a water bird. So the mosquitoes are the vector from these two animals to humans. Um, And when I say vector, I just mean any animal or insect that can transmit infectious diseases. But we do often talk about mosquitoes when we talk about disease vectors. They are a major problem when it comes to spreading diseases, but it can't be directly transmitted between animals, you know, between pigs or from pigs to horses or horses to humans. Humans can't spread it to each other, 
So all this means is that pig farmers, people working in and around piggeries and with certain other animals, are at the highest risk of being bitten by mosquitoes carrying JEV. So it's also really important to make it very, very clear that this virus can't be caught by, you know, eating animals like pigs or from any other animal products. It's mosquitoes that are the culprit here. So when it does get into a human population, how do we notice it? What type of symptoms can it cause? So 99% of infections will cause no symptoms whatsoever. You might not even know you've acquired the virus. Mm. Um, Occasionally, people will get some classic virus symptoms like a fever or a headache. might be a bit unpleasant, but nothing to worry about. But in really rare, serious cases, people will experience severe illness um, and swelling of the brain, which is what we call encephalitis. And encephalitis is often indicated by some serious symptoms like neck stiffness, disorientation, you might have some tremors, difficulty moving, paralysis. Um, Especially for children, we know that convulsions are a particularly worrying symptom that parents should look out for. And this condition, encephalitis, can lead to some permanent neurological complications or death. So it's very serious if you do get this more severe end disease. But among those who do get those symptoms leading to a JEV diagnosis, the fatality rate is around 25 or 30%. Mm. So it is a very, very serious condition. Right. So if you do develop symptoms, which is incredibly rare, as you said, only about 1% of people will develop those symptoms. On average, a quarter of those people with symptoms may die. Is that correct? Yeah, around that. And the risk is higher in certain populations. So older people and children are at greater risk of that more serious illness and encephalitis. And so really, it's important to be aware of those more serious symptoms that might indicate encephalitis that we mentioned, all of those are a real cause for concern. Okay, so what is happening right now with the outbreak in Australia? Okay, so as we mentioned before, really rarely seen in Australia, usually only in Cairns, you know, the odd case every couple of years. But now JEV has been discovered in more than 40 piggeries across Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland, South Australia, and that's just in about the past month or so. Mm. So what we're seeing is the virus spreading for the first time to the south of Australia, or at least it's been detected for the first time in the south of Australia, but we're pretty confident that it hasn't spread this far south before. Mm. So four Victorians were diagnosed with the virus in early March and they were believed to be the first detected cases in Australia's south. But then earlier this month, they began doing autopsies on some people who died from encephalitis um, around that period, just to double check that it wasn't due to this virus. And an autopsy showed that a Victorian man in his 60s who died in late February did actually die from JEV. There was also another death, a man in his 70s in New South Wales, whose postmortem also showed that the cause of death was JEV. And late last week, it was confirmed that a woman in South Australia who died earlier in the month had actually also died from the virus. So there are three deaths overall that we know of. Right, but it sounds like you've had to work backwards a little bit to figure out where it spread and who has actually died from this. Is that right, Mel? Yeah, that's right, because there can be um, a lot of different causes of encephalitis and you don't always know the cause of it. So when these people died or were infected, um, they might not have necessarily have thought of even looking for JEV because it wasn't known that it was around until February, March. 
Mel, I saw that New South Wales Health is going to start publishing daily case numbers of JEV. I'm wondering, what is the scale of this threat and how are public health authorities approaching it at the moment? Health authorities are taking this very seriously and the federal government's taking it seriously. In early March, the Federal Health Department declared JEV a communicable disease incident of national significance. Hmm. So that just basically means they're they're looking out for it proactively and biosecurity agencies in those states that are affected are working very closely with piggeries and farmers. Um, Anyone who suspects that one of their animals has the virus must notify their state's biosecurity agency. And there is more of an emphasis now on protecting people against mosquitoes. The Federal Agriculture Minister, David Littleproud, has said that this is a real threat that we need to take seriously. Uh, We need to be vigilant uh, and need to understand, particularly those in high-risk areas in piggeries and around piggeries, need to appreciate the risk. Do we know how it got into the South and how it started spreading in this way? Something they're particularly concerned about is the fact that it's not entirely clear how the virus got to Australia. But interestingly, Little Proud has said that there is no doubt that climate change and extreme weather is playing a role in the spread of JEV. Is it another byproduct of climate change? Well, it's because of the change in climate, you would have to suggest, because uh, the waterways uh, in which migratory birds have been able to come south uh, is one of the reasons. And, uh, and we've had a, an extreme weather condition again uh, this year where obviously there's rain that's been falling and right across the east coast it's been a La Nina year, meaning that uh, there is a lot more water around and that means uh, the risks uh, are greater. How is climate change linked to this outbreak, according to Little Proud and others? So one of the factors at play here is that The flooding and extreme weather events that we've experienced on the south of Queensland and on the east coast has meant that there's a lot more water around. So migratory birds are coming further south because there's this increased availability of water. Mm. And these weather events have in turn caused an increase in the number of freshwater mosquitoes that transmit the disease too because mosquitoes thrive in warm, wet environments. So this increase in rainfall has facilitated the increased breeding of mosquitoes as well. And since birds are one of the biggest carriers of JEV in their blood, the risks are amplified. You're basically creating the perfect environment for both the vector, um, which is the mosquito, and the animal with the disease in their blood to spread and to breed. Now, this is the reason that JEV has spread across the country, according to Little Proud, and that's backed up by some of the experts I've spoken to as well. Mm. The Encephalitis Society's chief executive, Dr Ava Easton, also issued um, quite a stark warning that given Australia is facing these extreme weather conditions, we really need to be informed about this disease and not dismiss it just because it hasn't been on our radar as much before. How significant is it that Little Proud a Morrison government minister, is openly linking this outbreak to climate change? Because I know in the past, this government has been pretty hesitant to mention climate change as a driver for natural disasters and things like that. Yeah. So our colleague, um, Guardian Australia political editor, Catherine Murphy, said that we're seeing more of these types of statements from the government. We're not seeing the denials about the links to climate change that we saw after the fires in 2019 and 2020, for example. And they're not contesting the climate change links as vigorously as they once did. So it's just getting far too hard to ignore the science and the scientists on this. Next, how to contain and even eliminate JEV. 
So Mel, what are we doing to try and contain this outbreak and to prevent it spreading further at the moment? There are things that we can do to prevent its spread amongst animals. So Professor Peter Collignon, who is an infectious diseases physician and he looks at the spread of disease through animals, says we need to find basically any pig with Japanese encephalitis and make sure we get rid of those pigs. So, you know, Mm. put them down. Um, Another measure is called fogging, which just basically involves spraying chemicals on animals and their surrounds. And a pig abattoir in New South Wales has already begun to do this to prevent any spread. And also there is a vaccine for horses and pigs that's available, but this has been available in the past in countries where JEV is more of a concern. So there are no vaccines for animals registered for use in Australia at the moment, but, you know, that could change depending on how this situation unfolds. Right. So that's what we can do in the animal population, but what about in the human population? So there are two vaccines against the virus in Australia. Um, One's for children, basically, aged over nine months, and the other one is for adults. And the government has announced that it will fund $70 to combat the virus by buying more of these vaccines. So Australia has 15,000 doses now, which, you know, is more than adequate for what our previous JEV threat was, but they've been able to secure 130,000 more doses on top of that. There will be a much more targeted vaccine drives, I think. So previously there was much more of a risk of getting JEV if you travelled somewhere in Asia where there's much more of the virus around and more mosquitoes spreading it. So that was the focus. Um, Travellers basically would get this vaccine. Mm. But now, you know, previously people who work with animals in Australia could choose to get vaccinated. There was nothing stopping them. There just wasn't such a proactive campaign to make sure that they did. The the risk just wasn't um, as significant. So that sounds quite targeted to people in specific areas, but considering what we've seen with the flooding over the past couple of weeks on the East Coast and just how unpredictable it sounds like this outbreak has been. It's going into new areas that we never expected. I mean, should we all be getting vaccinated? Should we be looking into that? Not at this stage. No, that would be very much overkill. So it's not like something like COVID-19, which spreads very easily from person to person through different modes of transmission. Mm. When it comes to JEV, only limited animals are reservoirs for the virus. You do need to be in quite a unique environment and bitten by mosquitoes carrying the virus to get it. And mosquitoes travel, they can travel, you know, up to 50 kilometres, but they usually don't travel far. So given that this is a rural um, virus really at the moment, affecting piggeries and farms, mostly in regional areas... It's not like these mosquitoes will spread far and wide and um, infect people more more broadly across larger distances. Piggeries are quite contained environments, so you can treat or cull those animals. You can vaccinate the farmers and their families and very close communities around them. But what would be more of a concern is if the virus got into, say, wild pig populations, because then it's harder to track and it could potentially spread into mosquito populations more widely. Mm. Other than vaccination, is there anything else that we can do or keep in mind to protect ourselves and the people that we know from JEV? Yeah, I mean, everyone, no matter where you live, even if you're living in a place where JEV isn't a risk, should really protect themselves against mosquitoes. You know, there are different viruses that can be quite nasty that are spread by mosquitoes, but particularly now that we know about JEV, making sure that you use effective mosquito repellents like DEET or containing an ingredient known as picodin. So making sure that you use those really good ones. 
wearing loose fitting clothing, uh, mosquito net screens, all of those things that we do to protect our skin, especially in areas of high mosquito activity. One thing we could also be doing is expanding our fogging efforts, like we mentioned earlier. And then when it comes to keeping an eye out for the virus and understanding where it is, Professor Peter Collignon said that patients who are presenting to hospital with encephalitis, where they just don't know the cause, are now being tested for JEV. But he said that health authorities need to be looking for antibodies in certain populations since lots of infections, you know, people don't have symptoms. So he's saying that in areas where it has been detected, um, people should be tested for antibodies and identified as perhaps having had the virus. And then authorities will at least know, okay, it's definitely in this area, how widespread it is in that area. And perhaps they might then, for example, target more vaccines there or target more fogging efforts there. Right. So even if you haven't gotten sick, maybe we should be checking for asymptomatic people to make sure that there's spread that isn't going unnoticed. Is that what he's saying? Yeah. Just in those areas where perhaps, you know, we know that animals in a particular piggery or on a particular farm are are definitely infected. One other thing that scientists are now calling for is a national surveillance network to monitor mosquitoes. At the moment, um, geographic spread of the virus is very limited, but we really need to be monitoring where these mosquitoes are going and what they're doing uh, and what viruses they're carrying to get a handle on this. What do you mean by national surveillance network? I mean, how do you monitor mosquitoes? They're notoriously hard to find, even one, (laughs) when they're in your lounge room. Yeah, you get a teeny tiny little tag and you put it on their legs. (laughs) <laughs> the same way you tag a shark. No, not really. Um, what they usually do with a mosquito monitoring program is they'll look at various sampling sites. So in this case, it might be, you know, a couple of piggeries in a certain part of Australia. Mm. Um, and then they will monitor the mosquito populations there. They might set some traps um, and have a look at the waterways there, um, take larval surveys, you know, looking at the lava levels in the area. Um, and that's generally how they do it. How bad could it get? I mean, do the experts think that this current outbreak will continue to expand? Yeah, look, it's just a a bit of a watch and wait, really. Um, So because of all those factors I mentioned before, you know, there are only certain populations that are reservoirs for the virus, certain animals. Um, It's only spread by mosquitoes. It looks like it will be able to be contained at the moment. Um, Mm. So if pigs are the major reservoir, we can possibly get rid of it. You know, it's just one animal to focus on. But the problem with other mosquito-borne viruses, like Ross River virus, for example, is that kangaroos and marsupials are the reservoir and they're everywhere. They're much more common. But we do actually have a lot of wild pigs in Australia as well. So if it does get into those animals, that could make it much more difficult to stamp out. Mm. As we know, the effects of climate change are going to continue to be felt and worsen over the next decade at least. What do you think we'll see from that in terms of JEV, but also other types of diseases? Do you think we'll have more unexpected outbreaks going forward? I think there'll definitely be more unexpected outbreaks or um, diseases that weren't necessarily a problem um, becoming Mm. more of a problem. So according to the latest Intergovernment Panel on Climate Change report, knowing as the IPCC report, variations in rainfall and temperature are related to disease outbreaks, including in Australia. And because of that, the geographical areas of Australia where mosquito-borne diseases like dengue fever spread 
um, is it projected to increase? So there'll be more breeding grounds um, that are suitable for mosquitoes because of climate change. The report also says that First Nations communities in particular may experience changing exposure to these infections and increased risk from waterborne and insect-borne diseases as they spread. Mm. So vulnerable populations may also be more exposed. We know that the health of people and animals and the environment are all interconnected. And that sounds really obvious, but it hasn't always been recognised or appreciated. And until we acknowledge the impact we're having on all different kinds of environments, then we will see these new and emerging and changing health issues more and more frequently. That was Melissa Davey, medical editor at Guardian Australia. You can read the latest updates on this rapidly evolving story at theguardian.com, including Mel's piece on the virus titled, What is Japanese Encephalitis and Why is it Spreading in Australia? That's it for today. This episode was produced by Zoe Victoria and Karishma Luthria, who also did the sound design. Mixing by Camilla Hannon. The executive producers of Full Story are Miles Matignoni, Gabrielle Jackson, and me, Laura Mefiotes. Okay, catch you tomorrow.